world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up! It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Yes, as a matter of fact, he is. Okay. I mean, let's not insult the snack that way, though. <laughs> yeah, if we're going to do that, let's pick a bad snack. Yeah. This is a real goober. <laughs> this is a real gobstopper. Man, what a raisinette. Oh, <laughs> oh, the raisinette of people. That's, ooh. Actually, I take it back. I like raisinettes. I'm the only person I know who likes raisinettes. He, he's a real cowtail. There you go. Oh. What a circus peanut. What a what a what a breath mint with a cinnamon center you are, you awful awful cuss. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think we should go ahead and just like dive right in. We're we're experiencing some technical difficulties tonight and so it's already late and some of us are usually in bed by now. This is the Superhuman Registration podcast or uh also known as Aldo and his two dads. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but, like, you guys are not that much older than I am. (laughs) I'm Steven, and Uh, my partner in crime is John, and our child is Aldo. I love partner. I love that. Partner, are we in a relationship? Do we fight crime? Are we cowboys? What is it? Oh my gosh, I I have not shown you guys the TikTok gay cowboys... Is this person is that, it's not it's it was a whole movie it was called brokeback mountain and okay, lead directed no, but this it. is really cute because it's like old-timey it's like this one girl who's doing like a skit and it's it's one cowboy walking up to another he's like hey this town's not big enough for for two people to have curly mustaches <coughs> and then like they start flirting with each other by accident and then they go and it, it's a whole multi-episode thing <laughs> it's it's beautiful it's funny and it's tragic uh all delivered under like 10 minutes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Speaking of things that are delivered in under 10 minutes, uh, Marvel Unlimited got a uh, glow up. Yeah. Or glow sideways. I'm not sure I like the new interface better. I, I want to go to like where you can see everything in the series and, and just flip back and forth between issues easier. And I can't do that anymore. I mean, you can still find things in under 10 minutes. Well, yeah. So the segue worked. I'm not a fan of, like, how I can't just, like, go through every series that they have. You can. It's harder. Because, it, it, like, if you go to the search, in the at least in the phone app, you can hit the series banner. Oh. And it immediately sorts by, by most popular. But you can switch it to A to Z. But it doesn't load as quickly if you do that. That said, you immediately are greeted. If you do that, you are immediately greeted with the cover to 15 Love, a story that we are absolutely going to read at some point because it's Marvel's manga take on tennis. I I was about to say that because I just saw it and I was like, we have to read this at some point. I know. It's the first thing you see and it's like, John, John, (laughs) we're going to read this comic. Yeah. But in the meantime, that's not the topic for today. Today we're reading the Eternals Saga, or as it turns out, part one of the Eternals Saga from Thor. And uh, yeah, so um, we'll we'll kind of get into the drama behind this story selection. But before we do, uh, why don't we go ahead and do the summary, John? 
I figured out my IQ. I got it. I got it. It works. Okay. Got it. Thor. Oh, crap. I got to flip back on my phone. Thor Odin's son. Thor Odin's son is the god of thunder and a man called Donald Blake. Anyway, this is a real mess of a thing we read. Um, my idea. It has been it has been a comedy of errors and less comedy, more tragedy. I said, hey, we haven't read anything about the Eternals in a while. Why don't we find something there? Hey, look, they fight, they, they team up with Thor. There's a whole Thor Eternals. What could be better? We like Thor. We want to like the Eternals, at least I do. And the Eternals movie is coming out later this year. Maybe. We'll see. I never trust anything anymore. And I thought, this is surely, and like Walt Simonson is involved, right? This is, this is a no-brainer. Like, we're going to read some classic comics. Roy Thomas, John Buscema. Oh, no, you know what? Roy, uh, Walt Simonson, I think, only did the annual, didn't he? I was going to say, yeah, I, I don't think he was involved in the, the main story. Well, this is Thor, the mighty Thor, the 1966 series that this is, the issues we've read were from, 19, started in 1979. We read Thor annual number seven, as well as 283 through 291, mostly because... That's kind of where one story ends, but it also ends on a cliffhanger. But also, it's a big mess, and John really, uh, John really screwed the pooch on this one, guys. I'm not gonna. There's no other <laughs> way to put it. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, hooked hooked the ball right into the rough, and um, did not get on the green. I did another metaphor. So what happened was, um, this is uh, this is a whole big hot mess, and. I apologize, and I'm very sorry, and uh, there's no excuse for it. Um, in Thor Annual, this is of the age, you have to, this is a different age of comics. Every comic is someone's first comic, and they really, really, like, hit that for this series, it feels like, because there's a lot of summing up that happens, that you don't see in serialized storytelling now. Uh, there is the nice previously kind of page they do now in books and in trades and stuff. And things are geared more to be like six-issue arcs and made for trade paperbacks, I think, nowadays, more or less. Um, but we don't get that here. We get uh, an ongoing soap opera-ish story and semi-Shakespearean language that is really hard to read and it was only 19 page issues but they felt like 30 anyway thor annual thor is told by an imprisoned mimir who is a flaming head that Ogun's, odin sacrificed his eye in order to learn how to stop ragnarok how come he's a head that's a good question he was given to odin by the vanir as a peace hostage during the aesir vanir war for unknown reasons the vanir decapitated him and to odin so that's a thing that's from a nice fandom page summary this Mimir uh, can tell, can't lie and knows everything, apparently. And he tells Thor, hey, one time you you don't remember this and dramatically narrates and somehow of Thor for this whole escapade he has with the Eternals. And he's forgotten about that. But when we come back from the annual to the regular series, he's remembered about it. Teams up with the Eternals to fight some deviants. The Eternals fight against deviants, um... There are, you know, regular old people, there's deviants, and there's Eternals. It's and, just what they you know, do. Eternals are great super people, then there's regular people, then there's deviants who are bad guys. 
who are not quite as good as the Eternals, or maybe better in some ways, but not others. Anyway, Thor helps them fight the Deviants before they wipe his memory, and they send him on his way. Uh, they fight some Incan gods, and they say problematic things about First Peoples, and then we're off to the races in issue 283. Uh, Thor stops some street crime in Mexico, recaps his recent life with Odin, who is so over Thor and just does not give a crap about Thor. That's kind of his whole attitude. It's just like, shut up, my son. <laughs> Thor happens upon a hidden city for the Eternals in the Andes, and he's trying to get in. There's a big, it's a big metal dome that even Mjolnir can't, you know, bust through. But then, uh-oh, um, Gaminon uh, is a big celestial who shows up and grabs a plane. And there is... Uh, well, there are a bunch of people on the plane. The only ones we care about are a man and a woman who turn out to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent undercover. And the woman, I've just lost her name, is uh, somebody in disguise. Thor eventually gets into the city. He's, he runs into an old acquaintance. Uh, he starts to remember his you know past dealings with um, the Eternals. Uh, he's un like it, he takes the opportunity in every issue. I think at least once to switch back into Donald Blake to be like, "Ha ha, tricked you! I'm just a doctor with a limp and a cane." I don't know if it's because of the era of era of like you know secret identities or whatever that was a big thing. I don't know, but he's Donald Blake for at least part of the issue. He saves the day by like grabbing a rope and flying the plane back. Um, he tries to track down Cersei. Uh, but ends up fighting Carcass. Is, is he a deviant? He fights Carcass, and then they have like a flashback where they look into a mirror, and for a while I'm like, did they go through the mirror? Is this a thing? But no, it's just this big flashback that ends with Carcass hiding out in this apartment and running into Thor. Um, Thor, this is just a mess, guys. Like... Thor um, gets tricked by some deviants, uh, loses his hammer. Oh, wait, hold on. Turns out that was an illusion. It wasn't really Thor. He didn't really lose his hammer. Uh, tricked you, haha. He fights those guys. In in all of this, he's, like, behind the scenes, uh, Odin is teaming up with Zeus, who apparently, like, there's, like, I didn't realize there was Zeus. I knew there was Hercules. I guess I didn't do the math and realize that if there's a Hercules, then there's also you know, the Greek pantheon. So there are Greek gods, and um, it it culminates, like, he, he... Guys, this is a mess. <laughs> like... It, there's a lot. I feel like I'm, like, jumping over a bunch of stuff, but there's, like, a lot of crap. He, like, fights El Toro Rojo at one point. Um, I, I don't even remember how he fits into all of this. Like, the, the cover is that they're, like, he's fighting a luchador named El Toro Rojo, there's like a bunch of you know fights that like Thor has to fight off these these luchadors, and it ends up with uh, this cliffhanger where Odin's gonna kill Thor because he's teaming up with um, the Greek pantheon Zeus and and the like to stop the cel or to to fight the celestial sea. It's like it's it's so convoluted and it's so like up its own butt. Like not that's not fair. It's just the. It kind of sounds like John is broken. I am. I am. This These comics broke me. Thor comics back in the day, they insisted on using like old 
English language. Like, I feel like, like they still do that. You know, someone who had read Shakespeare trying to... And they still do that, but it doesn't feel as obnoxious. Maybe it's because the comics are not as wordy because they've realized to take advantage of the medium. It's not a radio show. They don't have to describe the things that you can see on friggin' panel. That bothers me so much in old comics. It's like, my, my, my hammer. It is dissolving before... It's like, why have an artist? Why have an artist <laughs> if we can see what's going on here? You morons. Oh, why are you describing it's no that's that's and then it continues on to even like the dark phoenix saga there's like these long like like and now we turn to we go to another part of the like meanwhile back of the shut up <laughs> gosh so the culmination 291 I feel like we've come a long way now I will say um I I like the art in this i understand that like it's not all perfect but like generally there's um you know i don't i don't much care for like the paneling compared to marvel like modern marvel comics where this is pretty much you know all small panels but it's all like solidly done there's good craftsmanship here um, you know, decent coloring. It's I can't tell one Eternal from another. It's kind of like the Eternals are here, but why? What are they doing? I you know, it feels like Thor is back and forth on a bunch of stuff. The the Eternals like combine to be the Unimind at some point, and they just like peace out into the atmosphere out in space. Like they can all shoot I beams, but it's really all about. It comes down to Thor. It's all about Thor. It ends this part that we've ended with. Thor must die. It's like. Odin hath sworn an oath, taken a vow more holy than the bond twixt father and son, and for the sake of that oath, Thor must die. And so it's like, oh, okay. Next issue, if an eye offend thee. So we are mixing all kinds of, um, like, the, the if the if I, that's straight from the Bible. Whatever Thor's, uh, Odin is doing is attempting to be Shakespeare, but it's not. But he's a Norse god. So we have all old stuff kind of just shoved in like a turducken to be a Thor comic. I, I, I wanted to appreciate this because I liked the Walt Simonson Thor we read, and it's of uh, even an earlier era. It's an older comic, but it was so... Like, issue to issue, things would happen, and it was so wordy, and it was so confusing about what was going on, and it was like, why on earth is Thor fighting this guy in this place right now? Uh, you know, it's it was just I I need to stop talking about this mess of a comic that we read. I need to apologize <laughs> for putting us through it, thinking stupidly that just because the characters in the book were ones that were interesting, that I wanted to read more about, that it would be worth putting the t- and like these are these are talented um, uh, creators too. I don't know. It's, maybe it's just the era that it came out in, and I just don't connect with like. The wordiness and the small paneling and everything, but like the 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 layouts are all right. I think the you know character designs are cool. Like Thor always looks good. This is classic long hair blonde Thor with the winged helmet. You know he's throwing his he's throwing his hammer to fly. It's very they like you know make that distinction. Thor can't fly, but his hammer can, and he throws it and hangs on. You know, like Roy Thomas knows what he's doing. Glennis Ween was the colorist, and the colors are great. Um, this last issue has Chick Pollard and uh, Keith Pollard and Chick Stone. I don't know them, but a lot of them are uh, uh, John Bashima, who knows his stuff. You know, he I think he drew. He's uh, wasn't he like the artist on How to Draw Ooh, Comics so, the Marvel yeah. way, or was that John Romita uh, Senior? I just uh, I'm just grumpy. <sighs> I don't. Okay, 
So, um, oh, let's go over the. Did we go over all the creative team? No, I mean I'm trying to get back to it. But the new app <laughs> it's not the most navigable easy, one. So, we started in 283. I like, and I skip like, uh, yeah, Roy Thomas, John Bashima, Chick Stones, the inker in the beginning, uh, George Russo's the colorer, Joe Rosen letterer. That's the first issue, 283. Now, rather than like just swiping to the next one, I gotta go back. I gotta go back in. Oh, here we go. Next issue in the- in series. All right, I take back my gripe. Um, Glynis Oliver becomes the colorist on the next one. Tom Orzakowski is the letterer. Uh, I think there's, there is, I'm trying to make sure we haven't missed anybody who jumps on. Yeah, if you go to keep reading, and then it has next issue in the series, so. Yeah, it looks like, I think I've, I think I'll, I'll speak up if there's anybody. Marie Severin colors in the, uh. Assault on Olympia. Oh, I'm sorry. I left that out. They straight up go and attack um, Olympus. Like, Olympus, Olympus? Yes, Olympus. Then that's, uh, you know, one of the ways things kick off here. Yeah, it's kind of Um, the climax of what we read. Boy, this is a mess. I uh, have slightly more positive to say about this than John does, apparently. Um, Not... To the point where I, like, go really out of my way to defend it, because, like John, I also felt frustrated reading it. Um, It felt like the creators were trying to do Jack Kirby. And I like Jack Kirby. Uh, The Eternals were Jack Kirby's attempt to do the New Gods at Marvel, which is not bad. I like the New Gods quite a bit. They're one of my favorite books. And so I really wanted to like this as well because I get a very similar vibe. There's very similar character designs between the New Gods and the Eternals. They fill a very similar role where they're like these old forgotten mythological figures whose powers are kind of beyond human understanding. And like it plays out in this very grand operatic stage. So I feel like this is good, solid material in theory. And somehow in practice, it doesn't quite work for me. And I say that as someone who recognizes, as much as I like Jack Kirby, that his stuff can be really difficult to get into because he was a, I don't know, like this is maybe an unpopular opinion. I actually don't think Jack Kirby was a great writer. He was a fantastic ideas guy, had amazing ideas, but I think his work when he's not paired with someone as bombastic as Stan Lee is a little bit worse for it, which is a shame because I I think uh, Jack Kirby has better ideas than Stan Lee. Like, if I have to pit the two against each other, Stan Lee's got the bombast that's really entertaining, but I think Jack Kirby's ideas are more substantive. And the problem is, I feel like this series is just rehashing Jack Kirby's ideas rather than bringing anything new to the party. That's kind of my impression of it. That seems more astute than... I'm tired of this old stuff. <laughs> Isn't that a shame that, like, you know, maybe a more talented artist still needs an, an idea man, someone to sell it, someone who can, you know, tweak tweak it in such a way to make it work, you know? Well, I feel like we've had this topic come up before that it's not necessarily a tragedy. It's just kind of, like, highlights the importance of collaboration. You can be a very talented person, and make no mistake, Jack Kirby was an incredibly talented person. So was Stan Lee. They were better together. And I don't think that's a tragedy. I, I just think that's the way things are sometimes. No, that's... You, I think things work better. Yeah, like, you know... It's like Jack Johnson, we're better together. 
Um, Aldo, what did you think of Thor? Uh, okay, I'm not going to lie. I really tuned out about halfway through the series. <laughs> the episode with the, with, the, with the Red Bull, but not the Red Bull you will probably think of if you were born after 2000. That's the issue that probably got me back a little bit, and then immediately t- zoned out again. I was like, ooh, <laughs> Lucha Libre. <laughs> this appeals to me. This is relevant to my interests. <laughs> yeah, as soon as, that, as soon as that issue was done, I was like... I am uncomfortable with the energy we have created in the studio. <laughs> Here's the thing about that issue for, for me. I didn't love it, but at the same time, I was like, okay, this feels like a Jack Kirby thing. Because one of the things that I like about Jack Kirby is just how much energy he brings and how often he's trying out new ideas. So you have this random story in the middle of this big arc where the characters kind of take a break to go do some lucha wrestling. And it's because the lucha wrestler is secretly part of this, uh, you know, evil underground organization that they've been actually fighting all along. That's very in keeping with what you would see in a Jack Kirby run. That That's like 50% of the New Gods stories are just random uh, new characters showing up for the villains or for the heroes to fight. And so the the Red Bull wrestler, yeah, I, I, again, I didn't love it, but I did like the idea that, oh, hey, here, we're bringing something new to the party. Also, also not a super big fan of, uh, okay, I really, I really do like and appreciate that they did a really good effort at keeping the stuff in Spanish in Spanish. Some of it reads like translation, like, like dictionary translation. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about this, although, because my Spanish isn't obviously good. Yeah, it's, it's like early days Google Translate <laughs> translations, where it's like super direct, like you can tell there's no real, like, context or, so, so that's kind of the feeling. I mean, it's not bad. I mean, you know. I understood it, but I also was directly going one word at a time and i was like makes sense to me so grammatically i have no idea yeah i mean grammatically it works fine but like it's just some it's a very like rigid very like translation version of spanish that like you get when you don't typically when you don't speak it like fluently or naturally like you can tell like oh this is definitely like a like a dictionary translation but it's not like the main part of the book so like i'm not gonna dock it points for that it's just something i noticed oh cool but other than that, like actually, I, I like the art. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of uh, ah, gee Willikers. I'm just not. <laughs> I just, <laughs> it was like super wordy. I mean, all the complaints you had, John, all the complaints you had. It was so wordy, and it was. I started skimming, and I felt bad. And it's like I don't want to feel bad, so I'm just gonna take an extra minute or two to look at the pages because the art. I agree. I, I really, again, it, the art is a little bit, you know, older in style and it's, you know, Keith Pollard and the pencils and Chick Stone and the inks. Like, they do a really good impression of Jack Kirby. It's not Jack Kirby, but it, it does remind me of him a lot. And, like, Jack Kirby, it, the art is is what tends to attract people to him. Very good faces, especially among the Eternals. I got a lot of strong, like, vibes of, yeah, this is how Jack Kirby draws men. In some ways, I would actually say this art's a little bit better. One of my biggest criticisms with Jack Kirby's art is I feel like his female characters are all pretty samey. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little bit a little bit more diversity among among the women with these. And then like so many of these characters are Jack Kirby designs. Like the Eternals are very much Jack Kirby when he was in his uh Mesoamerican phase. Like he really got inspired by a lot of of Mesoamerican like artwork and and sculptures and stuff and so that comes through in the designs of the Eternals and in the designs of the Celestials. And I love these designs. They're great. I 
I like seeing them in the book. The story itself is is kind of what drags the whole thing. I got a lot of the Jack Kirby influence. I um, enjoyed the yeah Mesoamerican influence too. I don't mind Odin being a jerk. I think that there's a lot of potential in Thor standing up against all of these old gods. You know, he's he's fighting Olympus. He's fighting Asgard in defense of Earth. He's teaming up with the Eternals. I'm still not clear on the Eternals' relationship to the Celestials. The Celestials, like, created the Eternals? And then the Eternals are trying to bring these Celestials back? Thor is, like, that's a bad thing, or could be a bad thing, and Thor is against that, but also the... Are the... I need to go back and look in the specifics to see, like, what Odin is. And I read a little bit past that, but also I've, like lost sleep since then and so can't remember what convoluted like crap uh, odin was up to yeah there was there was also a thing where they they were really trying to dunk on thor for being too attached to midgar and its people and i feel like that didn't really go anywhere at least not at the point where we ended like other than him defending earth yeah i think that kind of comes through in the second part of this which we're not gonna read it for obviously for this because it really does feel like a separate story weirdly even though the chunk that we did read ended on a cliffhanger i i went ahead and read most of it i i kind of tapped out towards the end because it was getting to be too much the, it starts really interestingly like odin says that he is not going to murder his son not again thor's like huh not again i wonder what that means so i know the celestials are about to destroy the earth but i really need to find out what this means and so he goes off and he finds odin's missing eye which which is now a sentient being and he has a conversation with the eye after getting in a fight with the eye and like the eye tells him all of the secret history of Thor and Asgard and like fighting a giant disembodied eyeball sounds pretty cool but the rest of it is kind of like that annual it's just exposition it's rough and part of it is a retelling of the rings cycle but like the opera right sure which is you know not uninteresting it's it's actually kind of cool but it's weird choice for a thor story and anyway yeah that's what winds up taking up most of the second part the eternals aren't even really in it which is why i think this is was this wound up being a good spot to end yeah the my my thought was this will give us more information about the eternals and it was more oh boy thor sure stepped in it this week you know like and it was less it was less, let's showcase the Eternals. Because I, li- I mean, the more I think about it, the more I like that Eternals, you know, miniseries we read. That, like, there were, you know, it was, I still feel like I don't fully understand, like, you know, the, the Eternals and their powers. Because, like, X-Men, it's very clear. Like, everybody's, you know, like, Cyclops has eye beams. And, you know... Uh, Wolverine has claws, and the Beast is a beast, and Iceman, there you go, and uh, Jean Grey is, um, uh, well, crap, my metaphor falls apart. Anyway, uh... <laughs> well, you didn't even use her, her like, superhero name. Marvel superhero Girl, name, and oh. Marvel Girl, and, uh... Archangel is Archangel, and, um, yeah. And so the Eternals, it's like, you know, we have... All these characters, and I, I don't know, I need to, like, go back and reread them so that, like, when I, when I go to the movie theater... Guys, I'm into comics so that I can feel superior to movie audiences. Let's just... Cards on the table. 
I want to know, <laughs> like, the little references in a movie I want to be able to understand. And when people go, uh-uh, I want to be the guy going, ha-ha, when there's, like, a little thing in the background. Like, uh, Paul Rudd falls onto a cab in Ant-Man, and the cab driver is Garrett Morris. Well, that's because Garrett Morris played Ant-Man in an SNL sketch. That's funny. And I guess that's not really comic knowledge as much as it is just, like, you know digging into like movie trivia before a movie comes out or directly after a movie comes out. I don't know, guys. Listen, the point is this comic was bad. I don't know what else to say about this. I think we should rank it and I think that we need to press on with the... I was like, don't worry, it'll get better with the reading that we have coming up and then I remembered what we've chosen to focus on the next month in preparation for Halloween and all of that and I'm I'm a little bummed out cuz <laughs> like I was like, it's we're all gonna. It's only up from here, right? We're gonna read something that's gonna like take the bad taste of you know this convoluted mess out of our mouths. And oh wait, hold on. Um, anything else we want to say about this? I I feel like there's there's some good here, and a lot of the struggles that I have were just the era in which it was written and everything. I don't really have complaints about the art, uh, uh, really, unless we want to get like you know really nitpicky. I just this was this was not what I thought it was gonna be, and I'm sorry. Most of the good is the art. I would say. Yeah, I, w- I would concur. The The writing is not just dated. I actually struggle with it a little bit as someone who kind of likes these older comics. The art... Okay, I flipped to the issue where Donald Blake meets Carcass in Cersei's apartment and there's a three-panel sequence where Blake slams his cane on the ground and then it cuts to outside where we see a bolt of lightning and then it cuts back to... Donald Blake, but now he's Thor in the same pose, holding the hammer where the cane was. That's good comics. But then the the previous thing that I took a note of was when somebody is describing the history of the Eternals to Donald Blake and talks about the races and then uses some questionable language in describing human races. Oh gosh, I had blacked that out because I was so bothered by that, but yep. I'm pretty sure I skimmed over that, uh, and it seems like maybe that would have been, that was the good choice. Yeah, yeah, like, it's it's very much a comic with some not great attitudes about people that are not white, also women sometimes. But yeah, like, a lot of good artwork. Like, genuinely enjoyed the art. I, I really, really did. I thought the art was tons of fun. Oh, and I liked the character of Cersei, randomly. The the, the character of Cersei was, was a lot of fun. Well, she was the one who was just, like, really thirsty for Thor, like, the whole time, right? Oh, yeah, she was super thirsty for Thor the whole time, but she was also, like, playful and had a personality. Didn't want to be called ma'am. Like, it was it was fun reading her. Her her apartment's getting trashed, and so what she does is she turns herself into a, like, tiny, like, statue of herself and gets overlooked because it's just you know one more piece of furniture that's vanished right it's just i don't know she had some fun stuff oh and one last comment it is super weird <laughs> sorry and then we can go on to the ranking i just thought of no you're it. fine you're fine it, it, it's super weird jack kirby created these characters and he named them after the greek gods like instead of zeus it's zeros instead of icarus it's icarus i didn't pick up the zeros one and then there's cersei and Circe the Sorceress from the Odyssey. And then the actual, like, Marvel Comics versions of the Greek gods also show up. And, like, they f- hang a h- huge old 
lampshade on the whole thing. And it's not only is it kind of like weird and silly, but it's also super confusing. I, I remember watching a video on by Movie Bob where he was kind of explaining this whole thing. Thing. And I don't know if they explained it here, but at least according to his explanation, part of how like they consolidate that is that like they're interchangeable in the sense that the Eternals are their own separate people, but sometimes they will fill in for the Greek gods and vice versa. Interesting. Should we should we rank this then? Like I, I yeah. had those last little bits that I had to get out. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I I think you had the most to say about this. Yeah, this was a tricky one because this was. You know, the Celestials, like, you look at them and their whole design and their whole deal, like, that is Jack Kirby, you know. And, you know, same with the Eternals, I guess. And so, yeah, it is hard sometimes to pick up someone else's, like, unique characters and vision and everything like that. And, and I don't know, like, the art works, but... Alright, so let's rank it. We have 161 on here, and... Okay, you want to hear something crazy? Number 67 on our list, that's the original Sin story featuring Thor and Loki. Huh. That's the lowest ranking Thor story on our list. Wow. Not anymore. <laughs> Out of 161 stories, the lowest ranking one is 67. We like Thor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, we This story goes lower. We've read some pretty good Thor. We've read some really good Thor. I don't like up until now, I don't think we've read a bad Thor. Even like this isn't bad it's just messy uh, it's, it's a little it's a little yeah it's it's messy like it's not bad like foundationally i think the story that they're trying to tell is, is it, it feels epic it does feel thor-ish it's just the execution of it all is so flippin messy yeah and like each each issue like in the middle of this going on it's like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to new york and i'm gonna go do this or i'm gonna you know I'm gonna go fight luchadors, and 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 so there's a little bit of you know they, they weren't writing to make to like a make a neat story arc. It was you know writing for like the 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 issue like you know writing get one of those comics that every comics is is someone's first comic, and so there's like big recaps that they don't really do anymore. Okay, so it goes this goes lower than sixty eight or sixty seven, whatever I said. It goes a lot lower because you don't want to. It's not a it's not a bad comic, but it also wasn't good. Is this of equal quality as the actual Eternals? No. Yeah, I would rather read the Eternals okay. than this. So we are down to like 100. And I think it goes lower. I mean, here's the thing. I am down at Exiles. Yeah, so I'm down at like the 120s. Ooh. See, I would rather read Longshot than this. <laughs> you know what? I hate that you're making me say this, but I would too. Yeah, you know what? Because Longshot was annoying, and, <laughs> but like, you know, the pacing was better, I guess. Yeah. I'm down Ugh. at like Ride the Pain Train. It's better than that. Oh, dang. I'd put it under New Warriors. Like, I'd read I'd read Extremis over this, but no, I'm, I'm a lo- the lone voice there. Is that where we put it then? So I'm thinking right above about, uh, Ride the Pain Train. That's 132. Okay, I'm fine with that ranking. Okay, so 132. I actually kind of felt bad recommending it go that low, but it sounds like we're all kind of on the same page. And again, it's not like absolutely skip it. Just, you know, read the Thor that came before and maybe after. Uh, Like it's going to, if you're, if you're really down with reading old Thor, like it's going to come up in your reading at some point. So just know going in that hang on and and read carefully because, oh, it was just dense. Yeah, that's the thing is really dense and it's not forgiving 
it's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of like if you were starting to read and like, like one of, like if you were actually starting to read, you were moving up into like Hatchet and The Giver and then they throw Shakespeare at you. <laughs> well, I mean, that was my sixth grade. I was going to say that is, that's like, yeah, you read Hatchet and The Giver in like fifth grade and then by seventh grade you are like into Shakespeare. So. <laughs> Yo, you go straight from Hooked on Phonics to Shakespeare. There you go. So, comic books for babies that we're going to read for our next episode. We are going to read one event comic that's new. Like, this is potentially, again, one of the newest things that we've ever... I shouldn't say that, because it's like every year we read something that's new on the app. It's like, oh, this is the newest thing we've ever read. Uh, We're going to read Heroes Reborn. But not like the old Heroes Reborn. We're going to read the new Heroes Reborn that is apparently all about the Squadron Supreme. Yeah. I've never read anything with the Squadron Supreme in it. Other than, like, Hyperion shows up in some Exile stories. That's it. I've been really wanting to read Squadron Supreme for, like, the last year. Like, I think probably around the time this got announced. Probably prior to that, I think. I think I've mentioned it a few times. I've wanted to read Squadron Supreme. I like things that dunk on other things uh, in, a, in a cautious, copyright, non-infringing way. The same way that Dan Hibiki dunks on King of Fighters and vice versa. Um, speaking of dunking, though, the other story that we're going to read is... It's, it's an X-Men story called The Draco. Like the Malfoy? Like the Spanish artist? Wait, that's El Greco. Dang it. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, El Greco's so good. The other story that we're going to be reading next time is The Draco. Uh, this is Uncanny X-Men numbers... 428 through 434. Beans and sauce. <laughs> Beans and sauce. That is the most, like... That is like preacher from the pulpit can't say a swear kind of swear that you just let out there. That is grandmother in front of her grandkids. That's even more wholesome than grandmother in front of her grandkids because some grannies will just let it loose. Gosh. I'm sorry, I should have laughed, but that was so... That's uh, That was good, that was good. Uncanny X-Men numbers 428 through 434. John yeah. said he was looking forward to this next week. Or this next episode nope. because... I just looked be at CBR.com. The worst X-Men story ever almost ruined Marvel's most notable mutant. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! The Draco has a reputation for being one of the worst stories ever. Uh, and they and it's about it's about Nightcrawler, who... Uh, you gotta love Nightcrawler, but... Oh, wait a minute. Hey, listen, in the F... To close things out, I wanted to apologize for my big screw-up. Picking a real a real uh, mess of a book here. I don't know how I can make it up to you guys. Maybe you maybe you guys have like, I'll, I could answer any question, uh, no matter how embarrassing the answer may be. If you guys wanted to pose one. Hey John. Yeah. You know how you can make it up to us. Yeah. What do you think about what if? I'm really enjoying it. I uh, at first thought that you know the animation where it's like Scanner Darkly, where it's, you know, this isn't quite that. This isn't just straight up, you know, taking um, footage and making it into a, 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 an animated picture or whatever. But it's it's close. At first, it kind of bugged me. But um, I think that it is good for this, like, you know, fleshing out an idea, not necessarily um, taking it, you know, so far that it doesn't really work anymore, like Captain Carter being the first Avenger. You know, that was fun. Um, I really liked T'Challa being Star-Lord. That was a wonderful episode. Doctor Strange, if he lost his heart instead of his hands, that was pretty tragic. Him trying over and over and over again to save Christina, it just didn't work. It just didn't work no matter what he did. It was, you know, that was tragic. I thought that was was 
pretty well done. The What If Zombies, I expected to hate, didn't hate it like I hated the comics, and continue to hate the comics, no matter how many times we have to read <laughs> these awful things. I think that the... Uh, you know, people that were involved. I like that the the cast is, you know, most everybody is still voicing their own characters, you know. Paul Rudd was able to, like, bring some levity to the zombie storyline. I liked that uh, Wanda was, like, the big bad, and it was like, oh, crap, it was zombie Wanda, that's crazy. The Killmonger story, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? And it basically, he uses Tony Stark's connections to put himself in a position where he can take over Wakanda and it was really cool and they you know Michael B. Jordan was back and um there was you know it ends up with Shuri and uh Pepper Potts uh getting together and and you know potentially maybe in this next series there'll be a follow-up to this that's what it felt like I hope they do that so I'm really enjoying it I think that these are fun ideas and I can look past you know some of the animation where it's it feels like it's uh cheating where or like you know rotoscoping when it's it's not quite that but it's that's kind of like how it feels i think this is i don't know i think it's a cool project and it's uh good con content and this is the right way to do it you know rather than making like a full movie about you know these kind of things i think it works better where we're not we're, there's no filler there's no fluff it's we develop an idea we show you how it would play out and then you know you're familiar enough with the series it's you know I don't know. It's fun. What do you guys think of it? So I actually talked to Aldo about this a little bit. I don't love the animation. No, I don't. I don't either. I'm just saying, like, I can look past it because I think it's uh, the idea is interesting. I don't know that the uh, ideas are interesting enough to distract from the fact that I actually find the animation kind of frustrating. Uh huh. Because it's like, and I was talking to Aldo about this, and I don't know, like, everything I know about animation I learned from watching uh, Extra Frames on YouTube, right? Like... Yeah, same. Daniel Floyd, who is a games animator, who used to do the Extra Credits videos, uh, he used to do the voice work for those, talks about, like, the 12 principles of animation. Yeah. You know... The, those classic Disney principles. Anticipation and squash and stretch and staging. Yep. And, yeah. There's no squash and stretch. No, it's... it's In this animation. It's not so much animation... like pseudo-rotoscope. Yeah, yeah. It's not... Yeah, I mean, you'd have to, like, have to find a real expert. I love animation. You'd have to find, like, a real expert to get into, like, you know... What actually they're doing. What actually it is. Because it's, it's not quite animated. You know, and that, and that bothers me, but I'm also, like... Eh, you know, this is this is fine. <laughs> like it could be, it's Yeah, and it's yeah. one of those things where like I wish it was more of it. I wish it felt I wish it felt like a cartoon. It feels like yeah. they chose animation because they couldn't afford to bring all the people in. And it almost feels like like it like it wasn't a choice made it wasn't an artistic decision. It was like a choice made out of necessity. Yeah, and and they didn't they and they like would have cost almost as much, you know, rather than bringing in all these actors back, rather than yeah. for a day of recording lines to actually film them, it would almost cost as much to really do the thing, lean into it, yeah. make it a great animated, you know, like do some experimental style rather than like, now nah, this looks like them. Yeah, so 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 kind of like Stephen was saying is I kind of wish they did more with the animation, and and there's some parts where I think it looks. Really good, and I, but those are really far few in between. Like I think 
there's a couple of squash and stretch things like some of the goofier moments like when Peggy in the first episode when Peggy's drink uh Howard Stark like swoops in and starts drinking with her and like gives her the the shield like that felt a little goofy and cartoony and I like that and like some of the stuff with uh like her fight scenes like maybe not so squash and stretchy but those felt like, those were some really good uh really well choreographed fight scenes I think I th- yeah that's where I think it works okay is the action sequences. Yes. Not to be super contrary, but I don't entirely think I agree. <laughs> Not to be super contrary. Is that your middle whatever. name? <laughs> Being super contrary is like my autobiography, yes! right? <laughs> On the basis of um, contradiction. You know what it reminds me of? The action sequences, do you know what they remind what? me of? They remind me of Monty Ohm. It's like I'm watching an episode of Ruby. I don't think so, but okay. I, not necessarily like to say that you know, Monty Ohm was bad at uh, action sequences because that's what he's really good at because Ruby is terrible, but the action's kind of fun. (laughs) That's so true. But yeah, it's like, it's a different sort of like animation with different priorities than what I would have gone with. And if you are, you know, a guy doing this by yourself in your bedroom just because you like animating and you want to see all of the girls from Final Fantasy fight each other, which is what Monty Ohm did and got a start. It's like, go nuts, do it like and do it well but if you're disney yeah they have the money to really make this a they have the disney if anyone knows about animation or should maybe should is the yeah yeah that's that's my like big frustration with the the animation is like i feel like it should look better um be more exciting anime does like much better work with a fraction of the budget that disney likely has because they're willing to employ like super deformity squash stretch stuff like i hate to say it but a dragon ball z fight i thought would be a little bit more entertaining i i'm 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 being again i don't think so because they made a movie that was just like an hour and a half long fight and it was broly and it's the best dragon ball movie that's come out (laughs) it is it is just it is just two hours of them fighting one guy. That sounds about right. Yeah, I, th- I think that's. I think my other complaint is I feel like I feel like the episodes are short and they're they're almost detrimentally short because I feel like they're making them half an hour long because this is probably the thing that's most viable to transfer over to television, right? To to put this on whatever kids network they want to put on. So it feels like the episodes are per maybe, but like isn't isn't. Is that the goal anymore? I don't know. I don't think so. But it feels like this is the one that's most viable to do that. And because because the thing is, with the other series, the episodes were as long as they needed to be. So, like, Loki and, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier in particularly really tended to fluctuate episode to episode. Where they would... Some of them would be, you know, 40-something minutes long. Some of them would be 30. So, it seems a little weird that this is the one where they're like, no, every episode is, like, 24 minutes long. Let me... Okay, I need to say some nice things because I've been super negative. (laughs) What? No. (laughs) I know, that doesn't sound like me, but... Yeah, I think this uh, most recent episode was probably my favorite because, like... I, I feel like a lot of the, the voice casts are just putting in time to get a paycheck. I don't think you can say that about Chadwick Boseman. Nope. I don't think you can say that about Paul Bettany. And I definitely don't think you can say that about Michael B. Jordan. I feel like his performance as as Killmonger was the strongest performance of the voice casts thus far. I, I really enjoyed it. Also, that's really funny because Paul Bettany did start out as a voice actor in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. He did. <laughs> 
yeah, did, just didn't even know what it True. was all about, and and then turned into this whole thing. I remember. So I think that's great. I remember watching an interview with him where he was talking about you know actually being the Vision in Age of Ultron, and his biggest complaint was that he could no longer come in in his pajamas and come in and record <laughs> for a couple hours and go home. <laughs> The, those kind of things are great though like Clark Gregg like imagine like you're you know and he he's like he he's written movies like he wrote What Lies Beneath which I haven't seen all of because the trailer scared the crap out of me but like and he's you know been on TV shows and stuff but like he was just so good in his bit part in Iron Man they kept him around and then he got his own TV show which I, I didn't enjoy but he still got his own TV show and he's great and I think that that's great that you know, Paul Bettany had a bit part that turned into a big thing, and Clark Gregg had a bit part that turned into a big thing. I like that they're, you know, they they use things that are working, you know, and I just like talented people getting work. Always, always a fan of talented people getting work. I mean, everyone's a fan of it, but I'm just saying, oh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I think one of the, the other things <laughs> that I find interesting about this show is how much of the show feels like it's, I don't want to say lip service, like it's paying tribute to the actors and not necessarily the part i think that's fair because the killmonger really feels like it's more of a michael b jordan like thing like there's a little bit more like east like more fan service towards michael b jordan rather than killmonger the character same thing with the chadwick boseman stuff like a lot of that stuff feels more like chadwick than it does t'challa it very much does and i don't think that's a bad thing. I, yeah i'm not saying it's a bad thing i hope it doesn't come across that way i like that stuff i feel like this is the place to do that because it it's what if it's fan fiction it's it's fan service like absolutely this is the place to do that if you're gonna make a character if you're gonna make a character who's like a I don't know, a war criminal make be an anime fan? It's probably here. <laughs> <laughs> Killmonger for like like for like the, the Gundam design and he's like, Oh I like anime. And Tony Stark immediate That's my favorite line in the Immediately whole knows what Gundam is and the model like building yep like at least a little bit of it and nobody calls him out on that tony stark is a self-hating geek yeah like you know body like that you know he's read dragon ball z <laughs> he just pretends to hate it but yeah there's been some really good stuff i think man i, I you know i don't i don't want to keep saying that i don't really want to keep putting the focus on like chadwick boseman even though it's absolutely well deserved but i think some of his performances in here have like probably been some of the best out of the out of the whole series especially because you like in the in the T'Challa Star-Lord episode i think really well done then his appearance in the zombies episode was i think really good especially for being like a bit thing and kind of some of the lines he delivers about you know death isn't the end in his culture which you know tear to my eye cuz of course and then yeah. and then also you know his whole little speech about you know, when will it be enough as he's talking to Killmonger? I don't know, man. That's That takes a lot of guts to have an actor that died and still have his performances and still play the episodes where he actually, where his character dies. Oh, gosh, yeah. And to have it, and have it somehow not come across as disrespectful. More and more, I'm just wondering what they're going to do with the Black Panther character just because Chadwick Boseman did such an amazing job. I kind of hope that they just recast Yeah, I think it's I think it's funny that they're like, yeah, we don't want to recast him. I was like, oh man, you should, uh, you know who has opinions about that? Terrence Howard. <laughs> oh. Ed Norton. Here's the thing, like, I think about, you know, Disney trying to be super respectful of a beloved performer who has recently passed away and how they paid that off. And then I look at freaking Rise of Skywalker and Carrie Fisher. Oh yeah, uh, that weird claymation. Yeah, I, it that wasn't whole a movie. Good... I I'm so mad. <laughs> like... Talented actress, beloved, 
either recast or write her out of the movie. You don't actually do anyone any favors. So so what have been some of your favorite twists from the what if? I, I love that they all are like, hey, Thanos, that's genocide, you know? And he's like, nah, nah, nah. Like, hey, man, it's genocide. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of funny. I like the part where Killmonger stabs Tony Stark. <laughs> Man, that was crazy. That's also a really good line. When he's like, I thought we were like brothers and blah, blah, blah. He's like, that's the difference between you and me. Is you can't see the difference between you and me. Oh, that one gave me chills. That was a really good line. No, I like that he was able to bring that same energy, you know, different situation. You know, like, I guess, I don't know. Killmonger's like whole origin and everything was would have been the same up to that point. Mm-hmm. And it's just, what if he had the opportunity to do something sooner? Yeah. You know, that's the only real difference. He was still working with Claw. He was still going after, you know, he's still, mm-hmm. like, it, it, you know, he just had uh, Tony's resources when he showed up in Wakanda. That's really the only thing. Man, no, I like that. I like that. I, you know. I really like that because of his performance. Because I think he's a little underrated as an actor. And maybe it's just because he also really hasn't had a chance to do anything super dramatic. But, like, his delivery of, like, in of in. In Black Panther, his delivery of "Hey Auntie" is a little chilling. Oh gosh, it's so it is. Good. Uh, so so to see him get like another really good line that he can really flex, I thought that was the line for me. That was the line when he tells him that he can't see the difference, and I was like, "Ooh, that is that is real." I mean, one first of all, that is a really good line, but two, that's a really good delivery on it. I think Michael B. Jordan makes me want to watch boxing movies. I mean, uh, Creed, Creed is good. He's great in Creed. I haven't watched the second one Me yet. Me neither. Wait, do you not like Creed two? Should I not watch? Creed? I haven't seen Creed two, so I don't want to. I don't want to. Oh, okay, good. I don't okay, want to vouch like, for oh, something no, I haven't. Creed, Creed was yet. great. I love Creed. Yeah, okay. emotional. It's yeah. well done. It gets. I haven't what seen Fruitvale Station, but um, supposed to be good. I mean, it's a shame that like Fantastic Four didn't work out, but also good because then he could do this. So same with Chris uh, Chris Evans. <laughs> like, yeah, you either he either die in Fantastic Four or live long enough to become a, a better hero. <laughs> <laughs>